Welcome to the Real Life English Podcast, where we help dedicated English learners just like you cultivate the courage, the confidence, and the skills that you need to understand real life native English, to communicate clearly with people from all around the world, and to make your life an epic global adventure. Now, are you ready to go beyond the classroom and start living your English? Can I get an aww, yeah? If you are an intermediate or upper intermediate learner who feels stuck in your English progress, resuming your grammar studies may be the solution you're looking for. In today's episode, I'm going to give you some tips on how you can use grammar as your ally so you can become a more proficient speaker of English. Yeah, boys and girls, citizens of the world, this is Thiago from Real Life English, where we believe that listening to podcasts is a fun, natural, convenient, and surefire way to learn English. So, download this podcast and listen to it while you're working out at the gym, enjoying the breeze on a summer night, or even making peace with your grammar book. So, I'm joined today in the global studio by me, myself, and I. Uh, I'm kidding, but I'm not kidding, guys. Today is going to be just me having a conversation with you about grammar. And uh, this is going to be a different kind of episode today. Consider this a mini lesson that I have prepared for you on grammar. So I hope you enjoy it and uh, let's get started here. But before we get into the topic of grammar and how grammar can help you improve your English even more, let me explain some of the vocabulary I've already used so far. So for example, I said that resuming your grammar studies may be the solution you're looking for if you feel stuck in your progress. Now, if you resume something, You start doing it again. Imagine you start an activity and then you stop doing it and then you get back to doing it again. When you get back to it or when you get back to doing it again, you resume this activity. A good example that I always like to give is uh, from gaming, right? Imagine you're playing a video game and then you pause the game and then you might see on the screen resume or resume game, which means start playing again. Another word that I use here was ally. So I said that grammar can be your ally in your English journey. Now, your ally is your friend, you know, is someone who supports you, who is next to you. You can see this word being used a lot in the context of war, for example. So if you watch movies like epic movies about war, or if you read stories with that topic, you might see this word being used a lot. So in war, for example, your ally is the person who fights next to you or who goes into battle with you, right? So yeah, um, grammar can be your ally in your English journey. Something else that I said here was surefire, right? So I said that listening to podcasts is a surefire way to learn English. Now, if something is surefire, it is certain to succeed or to have the expected results. Keep in mind that the results here could be positive or negative, okay? Let me give you an example with a negative uh, kind of context. Uh, listen to this. Performing radical moves on a skateboard without a helmet is a surefire way to get hurt. You see? So performing radical moves on a skateboard without a helmet is a surefire way to get hurt. In other words, if you don't wear a helmet, you are expected to get hurt. Got it? 
And a positive example is exactly what I said about podcasts. So podcasts are a surefire way to learn English. Like, you know, if you use podcasts to learn English, you will get the expected results that you're looking for. All right. Another great word that I used here today was breeze, right? So listen to this podcast while you are enjoying the breeze on a summer night. Now, breeze is a gentle kind of wind, you know, gentle wind. So imagine it's summer night at the beach, for example, you know, and you feel that nice, gentle wind touching your face, you know. So this is breeze. We call this breeze, all right? And finally, I said, making peace with your grammar book. So listen to this podcast while making peace with your grammar book. Now, if you make peace with something or with someone, you have a good relationship again with that thing or that person. So maybe uh, you haven't been having a, a very good relationship with grammar. Maybe you hate grammar. Maybe you don't like grammar so much. But hopefully after today's podcast, uh, you will make peace with grammar. In other words, you will start having a healthier, more positive relationship with grammar. All right. Okay, so before anything else, I think it's important to talk about the importance of grammar. Why is grammar important in the first place? Um, you know, grammar is one of those topics that when we bring up, some learners, they kind of frown upon it, you know, they don't like it very much. And I understand that because, you know, it's not a topic that is maybe as attractive as, let's say, vocabulary, like learning phrasal verbs or idioms or even pronunciation. Uh, grammar is not a very popular topic, but uh, it can be a great asset in your journey, especially if you have already been studying English for a while, you are an intermediate or upper intermediate student of English, and you feel uh, like you're not making progress anymore, or you feel like you're still making the same kind of mistakes over and over, you know, so grammar can actually help you fix that. So, Let me make a case for grammar here. By the way, to make a case for something means to present an argument defending that thing. So let me defend grammar here and try to convince you of the importance of it, okay? So here are some reasons why uh, you should, you know, focus more on grammar as well. The first reason is you will have a deeper understanding and intuition of how the language works. And this is very true. So if you actually take time to study the structures of the English language, you will develop this natural intuition and a better, deeper understanding of the language. Another reason here is you will be better able to tell if something someone says is grammatically correct or not, including native speakers. So, you know, even native speakers make mistakes. So if you have this deeper understanding of the structure of the language, you will be able to tell, for example, if a native speaker is speaking English correctly or not. Uh, let me give you an example about that that I just remembered. Uh, I love music, right? I love rock and roll. And uh, there is a very famous song from Pink Floyd. I guess you, you guys know. It's called... Um, Another Brick in the Wall, right? You know that song, right? We don't need no education, right? It's a classic. But did you know that that phrase in the song, we don't need no education, is actually grammatically incorrect? Did you know that? Because in English grammar, we don't have double negatives, you know? It's wrong if you use two negative words in the same phrase. And this phrase of the song, 
has a double negative, right? Because we have we don't, right? Don't is already a negative auxiliary there. We don't need. And then we have no. No is a negative word as well. So we don't need no education. So this phrase is wrong, grammatically speaking. If I were to correct that phrase, I would have to say something like, we need no education or we don't need any education, you know? So you might be asking, okay, Chago, but why uh, do the guys saying we don't need no education? Well, maybe it's for artistic reasons. You know, maybe we don't need no education sounds better in the song, you know, in the metrics, in the melody there. So it is a, a liberty that the artist is taking. Another reason is you will make fewer mistakes when you speak or write in English. So studying grammar more often will make you a more precise, a more accurate user of English. Now, of course, mistakes are part of the process. You should be making mistakes and embracing them because that's how you learn. But if you are already trying to get to that more advanced level of English, it's not a good idea for you to still be making very basic mistakes, you know, like over and over again. Ideally, now at this point, you should be trying to make new mistakes, let's say, you know, by learning more sophisticated, advanced structures. And then it's okay to make mistakes while trying to implement those. But the basic mistakes, you know, those should already kind of disappear at this stage. So grammar can also help you with that, with being more accurate in your English use. Another reason here, you will be better able to tell the difference between what is slang and what is not. Now, slang is vocabulary, you know, words, phrases that don't really exist in traditional grammar books, you know, uh, but this is vocabulary that is usually used on the street in very informal situations or even by specific groups of people. So let's say you're watching a movie, for example, and then you are better able to tell if the characters are using slang or not, because you have a deeper understanding of grammar and the overall structure of English. Got it? For example, the word ain't. The word ain't is an example of a slang word, yeah? Ain't is a negative word that usually replaces the verb to be in the negative form, like am not, is not, and also the present perfect, like haven't. For example, um, I can say, I am not tall, or I can say, I ain't tall. You see, but I ain't tall, this is slang, all right? Or I can say, I haven't got money, or I can say, I ain't got money. But again, I ain't got money is very informal and it's slang, you know? So this is something cool also about learning more grammar because you will be better able to tell the difference between what is slang and what is not. So there you have it. These are some reasons why grammar is important and why you should incorporate grammar more often in your English studies, in your English practice. But now let's move on to the nitty gritty details here of grammar. And uh, I'm gonna tell you here, I'm gonna give you in this episode the main verb tenses you should focus on if you want to uh, really become a more accurate speaker of English. And the cool thing is that you don't have to study all verb tenses in detail to start getting great results already, you know? By the way, did you know that we tend to use the same verb tenses over and over in conversation? And they are not so many, actually, you know? So for you to have an idea, uh, the present verb tenses are the ones that are most used, you know, in day-to-day -day life. So what do I mean by that? I mean present simple, present continuous, 
present perfect and present perfect continuous. You know, these four types of present, they are very common in English conversation every day. So if you master those, that's going to take your English to the next level already. And then after that, I would say the past tense, you know, the simple past tense and the future simple tense. So basically, we are working here with present, past and future. That's it. And when it comes to present, we have some variations of present tenses, but in a nutshell, it's present, past, and future, okay? Um, so what I'm going to do here today is I'm going to go over each one of these tenses, okay? And then I'm going to give you a brief explanation and give you some examples and also tell you in what situations you can use that tense. And that's something really cool because maybe you have already learned and studied these tenses, but maybe you have only learned the primary use of those tenses. But usually you can use them in other situations as well. If you're like most learners, then you probably get frustrated when you learn a new word and then when it's time to speak, you've completely forgotten it. Now, I found that after I learn a new word, one of the best solutions to this is to use it as soon as possible. But what happens if you simply don't have somebody else to speak English with? Well, that's exactly why we created the Real Life app, which is the only place where anytime, anywhere you have an internet connection, you can simply press a button and instantly be connected to another English speaker in another part of the world to have a conversation and practice speaking together. So you will improve your listening skills, learn advanced words, and build confident, natural English. Also, you will have conversations every day with people from all around the world, discover other cultures, talk about your passions, and even be able to practice everything that you're learning with this lesson. So if you want to go from being a lost and insecure English learner to becoming a confident and natural English speaker, download the Real Life app for free right now by clicking the link on the description of this episode. Or you can search for Real Life English in the Apple app or Google Play Store. So let's get started here. First of all, we have the present simple. Now, present simple is, you know, phrases with do, does, don't, doesn't, you know. And um, we usually use this tense to talk about routine, right? For example, I have to write up a report once a week after our Friday meetings. You see, this is part of my routine. It's something that I have to do every week. So I have to write up a report once a week after our Friday meetings, you know? So I'm talking to you about my routine. Another example could be, I don't usually have breakfast every day. You see, I'm telling you about my routine. But aside from routine, you can also use the present simple to talk about facts. For example, you know, facts of life, things that are always true. Let's say, for example, water boils at 100 degrees. You see? So this is a fact. It's a scientific fact, right? If you heat up the water at 100 degrees, it's going to boil. So water boils at 100 degrees. Um, another fact could be, let's say, I have a daughter. You know? I have a daughter. I have a son. You see, these are facts, right? I mean, we cannot change these things. So we also use the present simple in that situation. We can also use it to talk about specific times that usually events start or end. For example, the movie starts at 9 p.m., but it's likely to start later than that because of the trailers. You see? So the movie starts at 9 p.m., but it's likely to start later than that 
because of the trailers. Yeah, so that's another use of present simple. By the way, if I say that something is likely to happen, I'm saying that there's a high chance or a high probability that that's going to happen. Okay, so in this case, it's likely to start later than 9 p.m. Finally, you can also use the present simple to talk about the future. For example, I have a doctor's appointment tomorrow. You see? So I'm using a present tense. I have a doctor's appointment. But then I just add a future word, tomorrow, and there you have it. I'm talking about the future using the present simple tense. I have a doctor's appointment tomorrow. Okay? Now, moving on to present continuous, uh, this is the structure verb to be plus ing, right? For example, I am going, I am working, I am doing, right? So, one use for this structure is to talk about actions in progress, yeah? Actions that are not finished, but that are still happening. For example, I'm explaining to you right now the nitty-gritty aspects of grammar. You see, I'm explaining to you the nitty-gritty aspects of grammar. The nitty-gritty aspects are like the details, you know, the intricacies, the details of something. But that's what I'm doing right now in this podcast. I'm explaining to you, and this is not finished yet. You can also use the present continuous to talk about future, more specifically, the future arrangements that you have. For example, I'm having a get-together with some friends on Saturday. You see, I'm having a get-together with some friends on Saturday. That's a future plan or arrangement that I have. Moving on to the present perfect, this is the structure in which we use have or has and the participle of the verb, right? So you can use the present perfect to talk about past experiences that you've had in your life. For example, I've been stung by a bee. I've been stung by a bee. You see, I'm talking about my life. In my life, I have had this experience of being stung by a bee. Got it? Usually the common question here that you ask is, have you ever, right? Have you ever been abroad? Have you ever been stung by a bee? You see, I'm asking you, in your life, has that ever happened to you? Another use of present perfect is to talk about a finished past action, but without specifying the time that happened. For example, I've sent two applications today. I've sent or I have sent two applications today. You see, that is in the past. I've already sent those applications. But since I'm not telling you when I did it, you know, I'm using present perfect. Got it? And you can also use present perfect to talk about very recent actions, things that just happened. For example, imagine I'm cooking, right? And then I, I can say, ouch, I've just sliced up my finger, you see? Or I've just cut my finger. You see, it just happened. Moving on to the present perfect continuous, we have have been plus ing. Now, uh, you can use that to talk about something that's been happening recently. For example, she's been having sleepless nights lately. Sleepless nights, by the way, uh, you haven't been able to sleep. That's what it means, yeah? So if you're having sleepless nights, you're not sleeping so well, okay? But you see the phrase, she has been having sleepless nights lately. You see, I don't know exactly how long, but maybe it's for a few days, for the past few weeks, right? But it's something that has been happening lately or recently. 
You can also use this structure to talk about a past action that still continues in the present. So it started in the past and still continues today. It's still true today. For example, I've been an English aficionado for 20 years. You see? So I've been or I have been an English aficionado for 20 years. So that started 20 years ago and it's still happening, still true today in the present moment. Okay? By the way, if you call someone an aficionado for something, you're saying that that person loves something very much. You know, like I've been an English aficionado means that I've been always very enthusiastic, you know, about learning English, studying the language, being in touch, involved with the language, you know. So I've been an English aficionado. That's what it means. And there you have it. These four present tenses, they are very commonly used every day, you know, in conversation, in English speaking. So remember, present simple, present continuous, present perfect, and present perfect continuous. So make sure you study those and you master those. Now, moving on from present tenses, we can also mention here the past. It's very important also to know about the past because we use the past to tell stories, right? To share things that happened to us. So, you can focus a little bit on past simple, which is sentences that have did, didn't, or the past verb, right? Like worked, played, uh, went, right? And we use the past simple to talk about finished past actions that have specific times, you see? So, in the present perfect tense, if I say, I've sent two applications today, that's past, but I'm not specifying the time. But if I use the past simple, I specify the time. For example, I sent two applications at 9 a.m. this morning. You see, I'm specifying the time. When did I do it? At 9 a.m. this morning. So I say, I sent instead of I have sent. Here's another example. I binged the last season of Breaking Bad when it first came out. So I'm specifying the time. When did I do this? When did I binge? When it first came out. So when the last season came out at that time, at that specific time, I binged the last season of Breaking Bad. In other words, I watched it, you know, like all the episodes in a row, okay? And finally, we have the future tense, the future simple tense. Now, the cool thing about talking about the future is that there are three different ways you can do this. The first way is by using will, okay? Now, there are three different ways you can use will. The first one, to make a promise. So if you want to make a promise to someone, you can promise that with will. Let's say uh, your teacher asks you for some homework and then... You can make a promise. You can say, okay, I will do my assignment tomorrow. You see, you are making a promise to the teacher. I will do my assignment tomorrow. You can also use will for predictions. If you want to make a prediction about the future, let's say we will have a downpour tomorrow. We will have a downpour tomorrow. A downpour is when it rains a lot for a short amount of time. Okay, that's a downpour. So we will have a downpour tomorrow. That's a prediction. And finally, you can also use will for instant decisions. In other words, things that you have just decided to do in the present moment. For example, imagine you go to a restaurant and then you sit down and then you look at the menu, right? Then you look at the menu and then at that moment, at that present moment, you choose what to eat. 
then you can ask with will. You say, yes, I will have a burger and a Coke, please. Why I will have? Because I just decided to have the burger and the Coke. It was an instant decision. I will have a burger and a Coke, please. Got it? You can also use going to to talk about future. Now, it's a little bit different here because, uh, yes, you can also use going to for predictions, just like will. But uh, if you use going to for a prediction, it means that you are almost certain of that prediction because you have some sort of evidence. Maybe uh, you can see something happening and based on that, you can make a prediction. For example, imagine uh, the sky is very dark and cloudy. You see, that's the evidence you have. You are looking at the sky. Then you can say, wow, looks like we're going to have a downpour soon. You see? Because I have evidence. So even though will and going to can both be used in predictions, there's a slight difference there. And you can also use going to for plans and intentions that you have. For example, imagine I have the plan or intention to travel to Canada next year. So I can say I'm going to travel to Canada next year. You see, it's something that I intend to do. Finally, you can use the present continuous also to talk about future, like I've already said. But this is definite arrangement, okay? It's not just a plan or intention, but it's a definite plan. You know, it's a definite arrangement. For example, I'm having a meeting tomorrow. You see, the meeting is probably scheduled already. We have the time, the day. So I say I'm having a meeting tomorrow. And this is really cool. You see, it's a nuance because, for example, going back to the Canada example, yeah? If I say I'm going to travel to Canada next year, this is a plan. It's an intention that I have. But if I say I'm traveling to Canada next year, you see, that's more definite. Probably I've already bought the tickets. I already know the exact day and time I'll go and come back. So... I'm traveling to Canada next year is more definite than I'm going to travel to Canada next year. So these are little nuances of language that by studying grammar, you can get. And that makes you a more well-rounded user of English. Now, I still have some final tips to give you here. But before we go to the final tips, let's go to the shout out of today. All right, so the shout-out today goes to Shirley, and uh, Shirley is talking about the real-life premium version of the app. I don't know if you guys know, but we have recently just released the premium version of the Real Life English app, and it's just awesome. So let's see here what Shirley says about the Real Life app premium version. The Real Life Premium is a groundbreaking app for English learners because we can practice many abilities in one place. While we're listening to a podcast, we can read following the transcript and then practice the vocabulary through flashcards. Personally, flashcards are the best thing since sliced bread. I recall words faster while I'm speaking, not to mention I have a better understanding while I'm reading, listening, and watching. On top of all that, we can sharpen our speaking skills by talking to people around the globe. It's simply fascinating. All right, Shirley. So thank you so much for the awesome review here. We really appreciate it. And if you want us to shout you out next time, just head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review. This also helps other people have fun learning with us. Also, make sure you download our app. 
The app has got an average rating of 4.9 stars on the Apple Store and thousands of new learners joining every week. Just head over to the Apple App Store or Google Play Store and search for Real Life English. Oh yeah! Okay, so to conclude this episode, let me just give you here some quick final tips about grammar. Tip number one. Once you've gotten a good grasp on the tenses I told you about today, don't stop there. Challenge yourself by studying more complex structures such as conditionals, passive voice, and reported speech. Tip number two. Every time you watch something in English or listen to a podcast, be on the lookout for the structure you've been studying. Now, this is very powerful. So let's say you have been studying the present perfect. Okay, so you are spending some time focusing on present perfect. Next time you watch a movie or a TV show, for example, watch it with subtitles in English and pay attention to present perfect tenses that are used there. Try to identify how many times or when a present perfect tense is being used in the movie, series, or podcast that you are consuming. Tip number three, when you are having a conversation with someone, don't think about grammar. And why do we say that? Because studying grammar and thinking about grammar is something you do alone at home before getting out there. Okay, so it's the deliberate practice aspect of your English. Yeah, so when you are at home, it's okay for you to sit down, study some grammar, do some exercises. But once you are out there in the real world, you know, using your English to connect with people, to talk to people, don't think about grammar at that time, okay? Just focus on connecting with others and communicating. And that's it. That's all I have for you today for this podcast about grammar. I hope you enjoyed it and stay tuned for next week's episode where we're going to be talking about even more cool stuff to help you with your English, all right? So, one, two, three. Oh, yeah. Hey again, I hope you enjoyed today's lesson. Don't be a stranger. You can find all the notes like vocabulary, links, and more for this lesson on our blog at reallifeglobal.com. And connect with us and on Instagram at reallife.english for even more fun English recommendations. Do you want to continue your learning and get confident, fluent English? Check out our YouTube channel, Learn English with TV Series, where you can have fun learning to understand fast-speaking natives with your favorite movies, series, and more without getting lost, without missing the jokes, and without subtitles. Finally, if you are enjoying our podcast, then please assist us in helping more people go beyond the classroom and live their English. You can do this by sending a link to this podcast to a friend or by leaving us a five-star review wherever you are listening. We might even shout you out on the podcast. Stay healthy and safe, and I look forward to seeing you next week. Aw, yeah.